How you think, how you act, and how you feel is called your personality. Mm-hmm. And your personality creates your personal reality. That I is love it. that. I love that. So if you're going to change your life, change your personal yeah. reality, you got to change your personality. You got to start changing your thoughts. You got to start thinking about what you've been mm-hmm. thinking about and say, do I really want to think this? Like, you become the shepherd of your thoughts, yeah. the gardener of your yeah. own mind. You start to become aware of your unconscious habits and behaviors and say, my goodness, how am I speaking? How am I acting? I believe that each and every one of us has the power within ourselves to create the life that we really want. And I want to help give you the tools to make that happen. I'm Danica Patrick, and I'm Pretty Intense. Today on the show is a guy named Joe Dispenza. He is an extremely inspirational guy. I have been reading and listening and watching his stuff for years and still, quite frankly, don't understand half the words he says, but he is very inspirational. He's a best-selling author, he's a researcher, and he is an inspirational speaker. He has spoken in over 33 countries, holds week-long advanced seminars to advance your mind and create brain and heart coherence. Um, he He's literally curing cancer. I mean, this guy is amazing. And I've been learning a lot from him about um, negative thoughts and how they can be addictive. I've learned about um, how we can reprogram our mind, learned about meditation, the best times to do meditation. The list goes on for the things that he has inspired me to think about. And I hope he does the same for you too. Because Joe is such a wealth of knowledge. The interview has been broken up into two parts. The first part is about wellness and the body. And the second part is about consciousness. Today we're talking about overall wellness of the body and what you can control, what you can't control, and how your thoughts affect the pure wellness of your body. Please enjoy. I wanted you to start off by just sort of quickly telling the story about what really seemed as though it set you on this path of looking beyond what we're told is how we operate as human beings. And that was when you got into a car accident when you were 23. Sure. I mean, I was in a triathlon in Palm Springs. I was in the biking portion of the race. Uh, The cadet was waving me on. He had his back to the traffic. I made the turn and uh, there was a woman going uh, 55 miles an hour in a Bronco that just uh, catapulted me out of my bike and I wound up breaking six vertebrae in my spine. Uh, when you compress the volume of uh, material like this, when you compress that volume, bone fragments go back on the cord. Uh, the neural arch of one of the vertebrae had broken and I had a lot of hmm. cord compression. So. They wanted to do a radical surgery. Four opinions from the leading surgeons in Southern California said, Harrington rod surgery or nothing. And screwing in stainless steel rods from the base of my neck to the base of my spine was the option to guarantee that I would be able to walk again. Anyway, uh, I decided against the surgery. Uh, and in 1986, that wasn't a common thing that you Why? Did. Um, because when I looked at... Uh, First of all, I have a background. I know a lot about the spine. So creating that kind of mobility, and if it wasn't done properly, or if it was done okay, I could be in pain the rest of my life. 
I could be uh, uh, struggling with the medications that are, could be possibly addictive. And that when you start with the most radical form of healthcare as a first choice, you limit the number of choices you have. Mm -hmm. If you start sure. with the most conservative <laughs> and you work your way up to the most radical, you always have more choices. So mm -hmm. I thought, well, hell, they're telling me I'm never gonna walk again. What's the deal if I do it now or I do it later? Right. So, so I said no to the surgeons, and in 1986, it just wasn't something that you did. And I just thought there's an intelligence that lives within us that gives us life. I'm not going anywhere, I'm not doing anything. Let me see if I could connect with it and give it a plan. Where did that part come from then? Um, the second part that you said is a lot different than like, oh, the decision between, you know, having potential pain for the rest of my life and just like taking my chances and starting slow and seeing how this goes and like that's different. The sure. thought of this yeah. sort of yeah. extensive intelligence that exists that we don't really tap into. Where well, did you ever get that thought? Well, I mean, first of all, that's a, a really great point because, um, you know, the body has an innate capacity to, he to heal. And if you study a very mechanistic view about the way the body functions, those, those are just models of understanding. But fast forward to information biology or contemporary understanding of biology, it's, it's more vitalistic that there's an energy that the body feeds off of. And so then I was reasoning with the idea I'd been doing martial arts. I had a yoga studio. Um, I, did, I had gotten quite extensive training in hypnosis. Uh, I was interested in this mm. stuff. So I kind of okay. knew that there was an intelligence okay. living within us. Uh, my background as a chiropractor also believes in that innate intelligence. And so... I thought, well, that intelligence knows how to heal, but I want to see if I could take it to the next level. Because it wasn't just pain, it was paralysis, mm. it was sensory changes. And I went from very healthy guy to being like face down, not yeah. going anywhere. Competing in anything. a fitness competition. Yeah, like here I am, like, you know, that's <laughs> it. So, so, so I just reasoned that if it wasn't intelligence, then it, um, I, it, it, I could connect with it. And so... I decided that I was just gonna give it a plan and a template, a design, and then when I was clear on that design, I'd, mm -hmm. I'd surrender it to this intelligence because I can't do the healing. It knows how to heal way better than me, but I wanted to take it to that next level. Mm -hmm. Bones heal, but I wanted them to heal better. And it worked. So did you do that by pure intention? Well, um, Like, how did you become the placebo? Like, explain. Yeah, so, so I knew that, um, when you're, when you're in pain, when you're in crisis, when you're in trauma, uh, when people are out of balance emotionally because of stress, the normal way the brain works is it prepares for the worst. So mm. when we're injured, we're in crisis, okay. we're selecting the worst thing that could happen to us instead of the best thing that could happen to us. Could happen to us. And when you select that future, there's an emotional response like fear or anxiety. Turns out that those chemicals give the body an arousal, and they mm -hmm. give them a rush, or give us a rush. So here I am trying to focus on what I do want to have happen. Right. But my brain keeps going back to what I don't want to have happen. So sure. six and a half weeks of a dark night of the soul because yeah. I had to train my brain. And I knew if I said the design has to be pure, it has to be complete. I have to reconstruct every vertebrae. If I lose my focus yeah. and I start thinking about living in a wheelchair, whoops, that's yeah. the wrong signal. Yeah. So just by, by intuition... I started working on my presence, my ability to pay attention and stay present. And every time I lost the present moment, I would come back. And I started to notice that when I got frustrated and I did it, it would get, get worse. 
when I just noticed that it happened and I came back. Non-judgment observation. Yeah, there was just no emotional reaction. There was no charge. And I was able to navigate. And at okay. the end of six weeks, I just felt like I had a tennis ball in a sweet like, spot. So were you just, um, so was this meditation, pure just meditation? Or was this intentional of a visualization of something? It was both. Visualizing? It was both. I knew that I'd have to first get in the present moment. Yeah. Uh, you know when someone's present with you in your life because they're paying attention. You yeah. know when they're not present with you, they're not yeah. paying attention. So this is an intelligence. I gotta be present with it and, and create a very clear design. Uh, so then I would have to, what I knew from my background in hypnosis is I, had, I would have to slow my brain waves down, mm -hmm. get beyond my analytical mind. Now, once I'm in that state, mm -hmm. I would have a clear intention, mm -hmm. a very clear intention and very clear focus. And when I started doing it well, my emotional state started to change. Instead of feeling frustrated, mm -hmm. fearful, impatient, resentful mm -hmm. i was feeling joy and freedom and because i was suppressing those emotional states every time i got present because those emotions bring us back to the past so i had to work over time and what i didn't know that i was doing the whole entire time was i was improving my brain's ability to pay attention and focus that means i could visualize better yeah but secondly more importantly, I was able to relax more into the present moment. And by doing that and holding a very clear picture, uh, I started to notice very strong changes in my brain. I, my, I was laying down new circuits. I was creating a new mind and nerve cells that fire together, wire together. If you keep doing it, just like driving a race car, it's gonna get easier because mm -hmm. you, you, you become what you practice. Mm -hmm. But you gotta pay attention, you gotta repeat it, you gotta learn, you gotta keep experiencing. So at the end of six weeks, it just kind of all came together. But those six weeks, I was struggling because it was just kind of this unlearning process. It yeah. was pruning neurological, like breaking habits of thought and, and emotions. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and then it worked. And so then um, I was back on my feet in 10 weeks. And, and then I just said if I was ever able to walk again, I'd spend the rest of my life uh, studying the mind-body connection and mind over matter. And that's what I've been doing since 1986. Hmm. That's... I mean, I, I think that, um, you know, this is such a new wave of the future. This is, I think there are so many people that want new ways, new, improved, cleaner, more homeopathic ways of taking care of themselves. People don't want medicine. Mm. People don't want to have to um, fill their bodies with synthetics. And um, I think that this is really important. Um, what do doctors think of this? Like, do you really, like, do you have that interaction with practicing doctors and they say <laughs> well, listen I've been at teach this. me your ways or do they say like they better get on board in my opinion because this is to me where things are gonna move to well I mean first of all number one I think um, I love medicine and I have a great respect for it and it really works yeah. well for chronic con uh, acute conditions you yeah. break your leg mm -hmm. uh, you know, yeah. appendicitis yeah. yeah but chronic health conditions require a lifestyle change that means you gotta make different choices. And mm -hmm. the hardest part about change yeah. is making a new choice. So go back 30 years and the doctor said to you, she said, hey, you need this kind of health uh, treatment for this health condition. We're gonna take out your uterus and if we're in there, we'll take out your gallbladder. Hmm. And everybody just said, oh, great, thank you. You know, mm, Yeah, you take passed, it all, I don't yeah, need it. Fast forward to today, you got information. And information is awareness, and awareness is consciousness. So there's a change in consciousness about what's available. So when people get a diagnosis today, they don't just sign on the dotted line, they actually research their own yeah. health condition. Yeah. When you do that, 
it gives you more choices to make. Yeah. So then when they start saying to the doctor, hey, I'd like to try this treatment or I'd like to try this therapy, and the doctor says, oh, that doesn't work or I don't know anything about that, they say, great, time to find a new doctor. So people are starting to make better health choices when they're in a better position. So during that time, there was not a lot of evidence back in the 80s and yeah. 90s that said that this was possible. In fact, you were considered a hippie, right? Yeah. But now you fast forward to today and because information is so available and people are starting to apply that information, now we're starting to see dramatic changes. We've done numerous brain scans to show that you can change your brain in four days for the better. 80% of a thousand people had a more than 90% change in their brain for the better just by practicing meditation. We know that you can train your heart to work more coherently. That means that when you're angry, when you're frustrated, when you're impatient, your heart beats out of rhythm. That's how powerful you are. And it really suppresses certain genes. So then change your emotional state. Wow, you start to see people practicing this kind of regulation. So we have evidence that people can do that. We have evidence you can change your genes in four days. You can change your gene expression. You can make your immune system stronger mm -hmm. by changing your emotional state. You can lengthen your mm -hmm. life mm -hmm. with um, just 60 days of meditation, five days a week. We've proven that you can lengthen your telomeres. So now you have evidence that yeah. common people can do the yeah. uncommon. You don't have to be a monk. You don't have to be a nun. You don't have to be a priest, an academic. The common people are beginning to wrap their minds right. around this and do There's the evidence. uncommon. There's evidence. This isn't just mystical information. So there it is. Science is that model. And then we have testimony. Like we have people that have healed themselves of stage four cancer, not once, not twice, not three times, and four times over and over again. We have people that have healed themselves that were blind, that were deaf, that had tumors, uh, that had uh, Graves' disease, Hashimoto's syndrome, numerous Parkinson's patients, brain injuries. Uh, MS, rheumatoid arthritis, and rare is genetic disorders. this the stuff Jesus was doing back in the day? I mean, that's well, what I'm hearing. It's <laughs> well, like well, curing you know, blindness and stuff. Well, it's no, like, I, if anybody is surprised, I yeah, have to tell you that yeah, it's me. I never yeah. thought I would see these kind of changes. Now you Power have evidence. Belief. You have evidence right now in testimony. So now evidence becomes the loudest voice, right? Yeah. So doctors now are saying, hey, uh, um, you're not really responding to treatment. I, why don't you try this? Now, let me tell you why they're saying that. And that's because if you say, try this, and you see the evidence of people getting better, and the person's not responding to treatment, what else do you have? And right. doctors are now referring, oncologists are referring patients really? right to our office, uh, right to our uh, events, because it's an option for them. So then you have three types of stress, physical, chemical, and emotional. Stress is when your brain and body are knocked out of balance. Mm -hmm. The stress response is what your body innately does to return it back to order. Mm -hmm. All organisms can tolerate short-term stress. Mm -hmm. But the chronic stress is what pushes the genetic buttons that create disease. Now, most stress ends up as emotional or psychological stress. So physical stress, trauma, accidents, injuries, falls. Chemical stress, toxins, pesticides, pollutants, bacteria, viruses, molds, hangovers. Mm -hmm. And then you have Emotional stress, family yeah. tragedies, second mortgages, single parenting, 401ks, you know, traffic, yeah. whatever. And all of those things knock the brain and body out of homeostasis. But the emotional stress is the challenge because the person can be taking care of their body, you know, eating all the right sure. foods, taking all the drugs, taking all the right vitamins, all the enzymes, doing the things, doing yoga, doing long distance running, whatever it is that they're into. But if they're living in constant fear mm -hmm. because of some threat in their outer world that's either real or imagined, or they're, they're so 
uh, mismanaging of their thoughts, that those thoughts keep producing the fear. So they're turning on that stress response by mm -hmm. thought alone. Uh, then they could eat the most organic, healthy diet, do all the right exercise, but right. the body's living in survival because that's stress. So now you're mobilizing all this energy for some threat in your outer world. Mm. And there's no energy in your inner world for growth and repair. And so you, your body is actually utilizing all of its vital resources mm -hmm. when it's feeling fear, when it's feeling aggression or anger, when it's feeling pain and suffering. Yeah. The body is mobilizing enormous amounts of resources. If you're being chased by a tiger, you're not going to use 20% of your resources. You're going to go all in, <laughs> right? So then what if it's not a tiger? What if it's just traffic? So what was once highly that adaptive becomes very maladaptive. And when you turn on the stress response and you can't turn it off, now you're headed for a disease. So how does this, I want to talk about, talk about DNA. Mm -hmm. um, and there's all kinds of stuff. And I, I'm learning about this stuff as I listen to you and, and various different, different people like you that talk about all these amazing things. But DNA, like, are we changing our DNA? Are we capable of changing our DNA? Well, your body is a protein-producing machine. Muscle cells make muscle proteins called actin and myosin. Skin do we need to eat protein, by the way? That's always something course, I wonder whether or not course we really you do. do. Okay. Uh, skin cells make skin proteins called collagen and elastin. Your immune system makes immune proteins called immunoglobulins or antibodies. Uh, your stomach cells make stomach proteins called enzymes. Your eye cells make eye proteins called keratin. So the body's a protein-producing machine. Every cell in your body, Danica, makes a protein except for red blood cells. and and in order for a cell to make a protein, a gene has to be signaled. So this is a gene, genes create disease. Less than 1% of the people on the planet have, are born with genetic conditions like type 1 diabetes, right. Tay-Sachs disease. The other 95 to 99%. People want to hear that and people don't want to hear of that. Of course not, because that means you can't be a victim. <laughs> Accountability. Anymore. You can't oh, be a victim, right? Exactly. So 95 to 99% uh, are created from lifestyle. You can hmm. take two identical twins same exact gene expression, same exact genome. One dies at 55, the other one dies at 81. Why? They're in a different environment or their perception of the environment. Right. So now it's not that the gene is a parts list of possibilities. Right. So now, here's the point. If a person is perceiving the environment or, or in an environment where they're constantly living in fear, or anxiety, or anger, or aggression, or frustration, then it makes sense then that those emotions would influence certain thoughts. And certain thoughts would make certain feelings or certain emotions. Well, if you're living by the same emotions every single day, the in, it's, it's the environment that signals the gene, the end product of an experience in the environment is an emotion. So your body is objective. If you're living in fear, whether there's any fearful conditions in your environment, your body's believing it's an environment where it needs to feel fear. So then the person then keeps signaling the same gene because they're feeling the same emotion. They're okay. responding to the same environmental condition. They're signaling the same gene. You keep making the same protein. You keep signaling the same mm. gene over time. It's like a, taking a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy. All of a sudden, the body starts making a cheaper protein. The gene downregulates, and now mm. the body's moving out of balance. So then... Here's the question. If you're thinking the same thoughts, making the same choices, demonstrating the same behaviors, creating the same experiences that produce the same emotions, and then those same emotions influence your very same thoughts, then your biology, 
your neurocircuitry, your neurochemistry, your hormones, and your gene expression is going to be equal to how you think, how you act, and how you feel. And how you think, how you act, and how you feel is called your personality. Mm-hmm. And your personality creates your personal reality. That I is love it. that. I love that. So if you're going to change your life, change your personal yeah. reality, you got to change your personality. You got to start changing your thoughts. You got to start thinking about what you've been mm-hmm. thinking about and say, yeah. do I really want to think this? You become the shepherd of your thoughts, yeah. the gardener of your yeah. own mind. You start to become aware of your unconscious habits and behaviors and say, my goodness, how am I speaking? How am I acting? You start looking at emotions that you live by every day and say, my goodness, I didn't even know it was guilt. It just feels mm-hmm. like me and, or lack. And now the person's becoming conscious of their unconscious part of themselves. And the more conscious we become of the unconscious self, the less unconscious we go during the day. So it begs the question, new thoughts that lead to new choices, new choices that lead to new behaviors, new right. behaviors create new experiences, new experiences produce new emotions. New emotions are the information coming from the environment, they signal new genes and there's evolution. So now we upregulate the gene, you start making a healthy protein. The immune system starts upregulating and all of a sudden it makes new antibodies. Why? Because the body's back in growth and repair and out of survival. So we did, we did a research study for four and a half days. We took um, uh, 35 randomly selected people and we measured 7,500 different gene regulations. And what we want them to do is to think differently, make new choices, do different things, have new experiences and feel new emotions. And we wanted to see in the end of four and a half days if they were able to change their gene expression. And they had eight genes in common. All of them shared the same gene expression of these eight genes. Two genes that suppress cancer growth and tumors. Genes to grow new neurons in your brain. Not just make new connections, but grow new neurons. Mm. Genes that stimulate stem cells to go to damaged tissues that are dying and breaking down and hmm. repair them. Genes for oxidative balance, you know, anti-cancer, anti-aging, anti-heart disease, anti-stroke. They all had all the same ones? All, these, these were the eight they had in common, okay. but there were other ones you know, that were great ones as well. But these eight were the common ones. Uh, and, and, and genes to strengthen the cellular structure, the microtubules of the cell. Now, genes are like Christmas tree lights. They're turning on and off all the time. But if you're doing the same things, feeling the same emotions, thinking the same thoughts, you got the same lights on and the other lights off. And over time, you start signaling the very gene that's on the surface of your genetic propensity. And now you're headed in that direction. So then is it possible then when you change your emotional state Will you change your gene expression? And the answer is absolutely, that you are your own genetic engineer. Now, it may take some time for certain people. So is gene expression different than changing your genes and actually... Yeah, yeah, exactly. Can you actually reprogram your DNA? Can you change your yes, genes? You can, can you alter? You, you can alter your gene expression. Now, here's an example. If your body's a protein-producing machine, you have 100,000 different proteins that make up your body. So you should have 100,000 genes for every one of those proteins. Okay. You have 40,000 what's called regulatory proteins that help make those. So now you should have 40 more genes. You should have 140,000 genes for 140,000 proteins. And okay. when they mapped the human genome, they were so surprised that we only express 23,688 genes. Mm. So how's that possible? <laughs> because on one gene, you can have several variations several variations of how the gene is expressing itself. So genes are always moving and mobile. Hmm. 
So we can, is there a certain timeline that you can establish to like reprogram? Like, can you do that in a day? Can you, is there, do you, how long, like if I said, hey, I want to change my personal reality by changing my personality, which means I'm going to probably, I'm going to change my thoughts and that's inherently going to change my genes because I'm creating new circuits, new right. patterns. Right. Well, the answer is yes and no. We have people that have taken four years as an example that we've tracked that reversed a genetic disorder that they had from a teenager. Okay. Turn that whole battleship around. Now, that person was abused as a child. Father was an alcoholic, beat her every day. She felt weak, punished. Of course, she developed a very specific bone disease that created a weakening of bone tissue or scaffolding. That's an expression, right? Mm. So there were a lot of incidences that branded her emotionally and she had to get beyond those emotions. Not the event, just the emotions. So someone like that, it took her maybe two and a half, three years to get through. Now, there's, it's just like the four minute mile, <laughs> or whatever Which you I've say. Which I've never done. Whatever you say in racing. But there's a ceiling where people said that it was impossible, mm -hmm. and all of a sudden human beings are doing it. So now- Oh yeah, isn't there some story about it with a four minute mile, like once one person broke it, then the next year 20 did? Two, no, and that's it's like right. you literally Two had weeks to- later, someone there broke you go. it, and then there's 1,400 people that have broken there the four you go, minute mile. Because and the doctors were saying it was impossible, Explain right? how that works, like uh, what, what happened? Well, it's in, it's in the field. Uh, you have one thing happening, there's a footprint that somebody stepped into in consciousness that says, Oh my God, someone else did it, I can do it. Mm. At the same time, you're seeing the evidence in three-dimensional reality, there's a footprint in consciousness that the person can step into, it's in, it's in the field now. So the same thing's happening in our work. What was taking three years to happen, mm -hmm. 10 years ago or eight years ago, in one week we're seeing people heal from the most incredible health conditions, and in order for that to happen, it's not some miracle, it is a change in gene expression and that's exactly what got me into hmm. measuring all this stuff in the first place. You see someone sitting in a wheelchair for 10 years with MS, at the end of a weekend workshop she's walking around the front of the room and hadn't been out of that throne for 10 years. You start thinking that that's just not nothing. Something happened there. She downregulated the gene for MS and she upregulated the gene for health. And she was taking yoga in a week, and she had never done that before. <laughs> so I don't know uh, the timing because yeah, you don't know the individual sure. case. Mm -hmm. And by the same means, you could have someone doing the work for six months, they sure. come to a weekend event, yep. they're practicing, they're ready, everything lines up and they have their moment and their eczema goes away or their health condition changes dramatically. You know that there was a change in gene expression in that moment. So do you believe that we create the disease in our body with disease? Do, we, do you believe that we, cre we create it? Are we accountable? I do, I have to be very careful about this response. Yeah, I understand it's a little, pro it's probably like you can't probably want to box yourself into something, but, um, but let me say I this. just think that it's really powerful if that's true because then you're accountable and that reality is so much different than the, well, but you know, and then my dad had this yeah, and yeah. then, you know, it's powerful. No, you got to be held accountable then. Yeah. So the answer is yes. Uh, and I want to say yes because I've witnessed so many incredible things in the last 15 years here. I mean really incredible things. Stroke patients that were blind, stroke patients that were paralyzed, you know, moving their limbs again, getting out of wheelchairs. I mean, so, so I see that they can change it because I think many people when they realize that they contributed 
to their health condition. Yeah. Then they understand that, that on some level they created it, yeah. then they could uncreate it, which yeah. is the cool part. And yeah. that, that is a practical, simple choice that the person makes, right? But then, you know, the reason I hesitate is because there's exceptions to every rule. Yeah. I mean, I have my, my best friend's mother smoked cigarettes and, you know, drank whiskey and was just one of those mothers that was crazy and we loved her. But she lived to like 90 something years old. And you know, you have other people that are, you know, vegetarians, you know, yeah. running at 10K every day, doing all the right things. And you know, they make it yeah, to 50. Yeah, but that's like you said, the difference between emotion, right? Of course, You know, course. maybe, you know, your favorite friend's mom who was living it up, she didn't have any belief in the world that she was gonna be sick from it. Exactly. And then the person that's a vegetarian and concerned about her health all the time and afraid of getting sick, Got you sick. got it. You got it. You got it. You, absolutely, that's the truth. And you, once you know, you can't not know. So people who don't 100%, know, you can't unknow. Agreed. So, so people that don't know, yeah. then don't understand, like that. There's somehow you say to a person, "Hey, why are you so upset today? Why are you so angry today? Why are you so frustrated? Why are you in a bad mood today?" And they'll say. Oh, I was at this place with this person or these people and these things happened to me and now I'm feeling this way and I'm thinking this way. What they're really saying is that person or that situation was actually controlling the way they were feeling and thinking. Mm. So when things go well in people's lives, mm. they say, hey, I'm in a good mood. Yeah. When things aren't going well in their life, they say they're in a bad mood. So they're victims to the environment, mm -hmm. right? So now. Your thoughts and feelings actually produce an effect in your environment. And when you begin to realize that when you change how you think and feel, you change your state of being, when you change your energy, you'll see a change in your life. Now, you gotta be able to sustain that. You can't have a great meditation and do something inward and then get up in five minutes, go unconscious again. You're taking that and you have to bring it into your life and be able to sustain it. So then the person who's responding consciously or unconsciously to the conditions in their life they don't know they're being a victim to their life. They're saying, oh, I have this health yeah. condition or this is my life until you start figuring it out, until you start knowing. So knowledge then yeah. becomes the forerunner to experience. So every time you learn something new, you make lots of connections in your brain, not a little, a lot. An hour of concentration, you'll double, double the number of connections in your brain from, from uh, 1300 to 2600 but if you don't well, think I did a about whole it, lot of hours of concentrating in my life so yeah. I'm pretty excited about that yeah and, and look the same so let me finish that thought I want to respond to that so then you're laying down philosophical circuits in your brain the more you think about it the more you fire and wire those circuits the repetition of repetition. thinking about it yep. begins to install the neurological hardware in your brain in preparation for an experience so the more you understand what you're doing yeah. and why you're doing it then the how gets easier. So I now know after all the research, you give people the right scientific information and yeah. science is the contemporary language of mysticism. And they can turn to the person next to them and explain it, because that's what you'll do. I'll say, now explain that. If you can't explain it, it's not wired in your brain. It means there's something now that's gonna be conjecturous, something you're gonna just have a little superstition about. You know. It, you're not going to really understand what you're doing and why. If you I'd can't explain say, it. If you can't explain something simply, you don't understand it well enough. That's exactly. But when you can explain it, the model of understanding, yeah. you have the hardware in place. Yeah, you've so now, it. You, you set up the conditions and 
put people in the experience, if they get their behaviors to match their intentions, they're gonna have an experience. Experience then enriches the circuitry, but the end product of the experience is the payoff. That's the emotion. When you start mm -hmm. to feel unlimited, when you start to feel abundant, when you start to feel free, yeah. now your body's getting the chemical instruction to understand what your mind was understanding. Mm. Now you're embodying the knowledge. Mm. And then you do it again. There you go. And, and then all of a sudden you start to master the philosophy. And over time then, you begin to create a state of being. Mm -hmm. That means that you've memorized an internal state. It, it's, it's subconscious. It's a skill. It's a habit. And you know that you know how to do it. You don't have to think about it any longer, right? Yeah. So our job then is to start as philosophers and initiates then masters, you know, knowledge, experience, wisdom, mm -hmm. mind, body, soul, mm. thinking, the doing, the being, learning with your head, applying with your hands, knowing it by heart. And so when people follow those steps, uh, they start, we're starting to see this four minute mile thing go on. <laughs> and then if I get somebody on the stage and I say, tell them your story, well, and the lady says, well, I'm from Holland, I had stage four cancer, the doctors told me I wouldn't live more than three months, I tried these things and nothing worked and I just went to the event in Mallorca. I'm here in Cancun for my second event. I have no cancer in my body. Now there's people in the audience with cancer and they're looking at her and they're saying, well, she doesn't look like a movie star. She, you know, it's not a Hollywood version of a great, she had some bumps along the way, you know, but it's evidence. And when you start seeing that kind of piercing of that mm. four minute mile, that level of consciousness, yep. that footprint is there in consciousness for people to step into. But by the same means, there's evidence in three dimensional reality. It's no longer dinner conversation. Yeah. Hey, did you see that lady with stage four cancer from Holland? She didn't look any different than me. She didn't look like a vegetarian. She didn't look like she worked out every day. She didn't look like, she just looked like an average person. So nobody, everybody starts relating with that. And you look in the audience when that person's telling the story and there isn't a person looking away. They're all leaning in mm -hmm. to watch this because, again, evidence becomes the loudest voice. I mean, one of the most fascinating things is, is the video of being at a hospital with someone laying on the bed that has cancer, cancer like tumors, and you can watch the tumors yeah. disappear. Yeah. yeah, That's just... Yeah. And, and it actually, Explain how that happens. Wow. Because okay. there were people standing around, and there's a whole... There was a... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so I've seen that video. So, so the video shows a, a, a tumor in the bladder, and it's in China, and, and there's a group of uh, physicians that come in and they chant something like it's already gone, or we give thanks that it's already gone, and they keep chanting the same thing, and they keep creating the state, emotional state, and you see that tumor shrink. Yeah. Um, Right it either, in front of your it eyes. either shrunk or disappeared, disappeared but, it, yeah. but it shrunk. So here's sure. the science behind that, and I'll, I'll give you an understanding. There was, a, there was a researcher from Yale University in the 1940s that was very, very passionate and interested in studying the electromagnetic fields around living organisms. Now, in the 1940s, nobody was doing that. He, right. was, he, was, just, <laughs> he was just a different guy. So he started off studying eggs. And when he was studying eggs, chick eggs, you know, different types of bird eggs, salamander eggs, lizard eggs, reptiles, amphibians, 100% yeah. of the time, he always saw the positive charge where the head was and the negative charge where the tail was. Now, if you have positive charge mm. on one end and negative charge on the other end, you have a magnet. Mm -hmm. So that magnetic field is actually in the shape of the egg, exactly. Okay. So yeah. he starts measuring, he starts quantitatively analyzing all these eggs, and then he goes right to women huh. with the propensity for uterine cancer and he starts measuring their electromagnetic field around their body as well as around the organ. 
and he starts noticing the same exact patterns for uterine cancer. And every single woman that had a pattern in the field that he measured had a pattern in the physical body of, of cancer. So, but there was a certain percentage though that had some in the field but didn't have the cancer in the body yet. But they ultimately developed the cancer. Wow. So he was looking at matter thinking there's a glow of, you know, with, right. his, with, his, with his measurements, matter's emitting a field. It's a frequency. That but he it's not the know? case. It's actually the field that's creating matter. So change the field and you change matter. So think about like that. Like the environment, are you saying? No, let me say it again. The, 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 the woman with uterine cancer had a certain pattern in the field, right? Yeah. So then he starts seeing the women with uterine cancer. Every one of those women that had uterine cancer had a pattern in the field that was the same. But there were a certain percentage of them that didn't have the cancer yet, but the pattern was in the field. Right. So then if it was in the field, then that pattern was slowing down on frequency and affecting matter. So people think they have to change the tumor. No, that's, that's, that's the expression of a pattern, right? Mm -hmm. Change the field, you change matter. And we do this in our workshops and we've seen tumors just like that disappear. What do you mean change the field then? Okay, so there's only two components according to the research that shows how to change the field. Here's an example. They did an experiment where they took a, people, a group of people that were great uh, healers. And um, they took these vials of DNA and set them out in front of these people. And they said, now listen, this is a mindful function. With all of your intention, we want you to see this DNA wind or unwind in your mind. Just keep seeing it wind or unwind, wind or unwind. Okay. So they did it over and over again, over and over again. They checked the DNA. Guess what happened? Nothing. Intention did nothing to change the DNA. So then they said, okay, open your heart, create an elevated emotion, and just feel gratitude and radiate that feeling of care and love into the field, and let's see if that changes the DNA. They elevate their emotional state, they do it for a period of time, they check the DNA, guess what happens? Nothing. <laughs> but when they say to the people, we, what, what I want you to do is see the DNA unwind in tension, one frequency, the electrical charge in the quantum field, and feel the emotions you would feel as if it already unwound, elevated emotion, magnetic field in the, in the quantum, over 20% of the DNA unwound at a remote location. So thought being the electrical charge in the quantum field, feelings being the magnetic charge, how you think and how you feel broadcasts a field. So now, not just any type of field is gonna do that, it's gotta be coherent. So we practice creating brain coherence. We actually measure it. We practice creating heart coherence. Why? Because once energy moves right up in here and you can change resentment or frustration or impatience to joy, to freedom, to gratitude, and we're measuring to see if you're doing it. I could say to you, Danica, you're doing it. I could say, not there yet, gotta keep going. How do you measure it then? Just maybe as we a have, side note? It's called an HRV, heart rate variability monitor. We put okay. electrodes and we actually see okay. where we clip things to people's okay. ears. Okay. So now when the heart starts regulating, it starts beating like a drum mm. and it starts to produce a measurable magnetic field mm -hmm. that's up to three meters wide. Hmm. Now that energy is a frequency and that frequency 
can carry information, and that information is your thought, is your intent. In other words, the elevated emotional gratitude can carry the thought of your health. The emotion of suffering cannot carry the thought of your health. It carries right. a different set of thoughts. <laughs> so you can think positively all you want, and if you're feeling miserable, right. your mind and body are in opposition. So we teach people how to put these two coherent signatures together. The thought sending the signal out, the feeling drawing the event back. But the more coherent, the more organized the signal, the more connection you have to the field. By organized, do you mean concise about what you want? Or do you no, mean like just being good at it? No, like, like rhythmic. Like, okay. So, so coherence is a synchronization. As mm -hmm. an example, when people are under the gun of the fight or flight nervous system, they're living by the hormones of stress, the arousal of those chemicals drives the brain into a faster brain frequency called high beta brain waves. Okay. In high beta, the arousal, you're in survival. What you're trying to do now is control and predict everything in your life. Right. And so you start thinking about your boss, your coworker, your, your boyfriend, you start thinking about groceries, you start thinking about where you have to go, all the things you have to do, your finances. And every one of those things, elements, people, places, has a neurological network in your brain. So as you shift your attention very quickly, you're activating those circuits and like a lightning storm, in the clouds, your brain starts firing very incoherently. And when your brain's incoherent, mm. you're incoherent. At the same time, you're stepping on the gas, your heart's racing because yeah. of survival, you're stepping on the brake, like I can't, I can't throttle my coworker even though I want to. So you can't fight, and so now the heart starts beating incoherently. So how do you reverse that? So we teach people how to create more order in their brain. And there's a formula that we practice, and when they do it right, the brain starts getting very organized. Those different compartments that were subdivided start to synchronize. So there's they a rhythm to, even to the firing. Oh, there's a, like a, like we have unbelievable measurements of rhythm, so now think about it. So now, all of a sudden, those different communities of neurons that were out of sync start synchronizing, and what sinks in the brain, mm. links in the brain. And all of, a start, all of a sudden, you start seeing more and more neurons start dancing to the yeah. same rhythm. They start synchronizing like a symphony. And when, when that starts to happen, when they start getting more organized, if you ha think about coherence like a group of people clapping in an audience, say there's a thousand people and you say normal coherence for an average human being would be every fifth person in the audience clapping at the same time. Right. Super coherence, what we're measuring, imagine a hundred billion neurons same all time. synchronized. So mm. now a thousand people all clapping at the same time, not only is it creating more order, but energy. it's creating more energy. Yeah. So now waves start stacking up oh. on top of each other and all of a sudden you start getting more energy in the brain, more synchronization, and all the areas that were no longer in balance start to come together. And the side effect of that is now the person starts feeling more whole. Is there, I'm thinking of two different things. One is a little more spiritually based where there's in certain ceremonies, whether they be like ayahuasca ceremonies that are getting more popular or um, just maybe old, maybe uh, Native American cultures and how there's uh, African cultures, how there's rhythm, there's drums to their ceremonies, there's spiritual ceremonies, and there's training. drums. Get everybody there's, thinking the same way, moving the same way, feeling the same way and community. Yeah. So, do you, so is there, a, is there so, so can you get yourself into this state with a forced sort of Absolutely. rhythm? Absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, we use certain music when we induce that, that kind of coherent oh, yeah. state that there's, there's a rhythm to it. There's a mathematical mm. quality about it that entrains the brain where you stop thinking. It just starts, 
it starts slowing brain waves down. So we use music and, and rhythm as an important There's also way. something I've done back my very first uh, IndyCar race, I get in a huge accident and um, afterwards I was like on all the modalities you could possibly be on, but one of them was a headset and goggles with lights, lights and yeah. sounds. Yeah. And so is that also what something like that is doing, is uh, syncing your brain yeah. up, retrain, yeah. is a, yeah. what would that be doing? So the frequency of the light a lot of times and the mm -hmm. sound starts causing the visual cortex mm -hmm. and the auditory cortex to begin to, to oscillate mm. and then starting training. So in trauma, well, that's a good thing to do because actually the opposite happens. So you're trying to save the person from moving out of disorder in the brain because the, the, the fear and the, uh, the anxiety and the trauma really shocks the brain. Mm, interesting. Um, you were talking about energy, you're talking about the heart and things of that nature and it makes me think of you know, the seven chakras and the energy centers. And mm -hmm. what is your understanding with, the, with that and how they play a role in, mm -hmm. in how you so, so I use the word energy centers because if you say chakras, some people will have the wrong understanding of them. Or right, I agree. I yeah. think it's fantastic yeah. that you try and make sure that this is um, digestible and attractive and not off-putting to anyone, right? There's no point in using religion or spirituality, right? It's just science. Yeah. And as far as, you know, this goes, it's not uh, chakras and, yeah. you know, ceremonies and drumming. It's yeah. rhythm. It's yeah. frequency. And, of course, yeah. you know, as we're talking about here, energy centers. Yeah, so I like energy Whatever centers. Whatever you want to call yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But um, it's cool because um, these different energy centers of the body are centers of information. They have their own frequency, they have their own energy, they have their own uh, um, little individual brains. Mm. Believe it or not, they have their own hormones, their own chemicals. Wow. Uh, you yeah. can measure that they have different hormones? Oh, absolutely. Each energy Absol center? Every one. And there are seven? There are seven. Okay. Yeah. Well, there's eight, but seven ones in the body. So. Those different circuit boards are under the control of the autonomic nervous system. Now, stress creates imbalance in the autonomic nervous system. The sympathetic nervous system is switched on for one reason, emergency for preservation. Mm. So then you are mobilizing enormous energy to preserve the body, and it should be a short-term thing. The other nervous system, the parasympathetic, is for growth and repair, right? So some people spend the majority of their time living in that high frequency of, of, of stress. Um, so then teaching people then how to make a move from that sympathetic system into the parasympathetic system means they have to practice on a daily basis certain fundamental principles. And, and for me, I think that, um, well, more and more people are doing it. How do you do it? So, <clears throat> when a person begins to slow their brain waves down, they have to go, when you're in stress, when you're in survival, you narrow your focus on a cause. That's called a, what's called a convergent focus. So now you're blessing the energy centers of the body that are under the control of the autonomic nervous system. And when the autonomic nervous system moves out of balance, the brain moves out of balance, right? We narrow our focus on the cause, and it causes each one of these different energy centers to move into incoherence as well. And those little, little individual brains start moving into incoherence and send an incoherent message to the cells and tissues and organs. Hormones then become down-regulated and the body starts moving out of balance. So when we bless the energy centers or we pro reprogram these energy centers, two things has to happen. 
they have to be able to slow their brainwaves down. They have to get out of that high beta state. And the way we do it is to go from a narrow focus to a broad focus. When you open your focus, when you open your awareness, mm -hmm. that's what creates coherence in the brain because mm -hmm. you're going against that habit of putting your attention on matter. So there's a convergent focus, which is focusing on matter, and then there's a divergent focus, which is focusing on energy. Well, reality is both particle and wave, mm -hmm. matter and energy. So if a person can slow their brain waves down from beta brain waves to alpha brain waves, now they're starting to fall out of their thinking brain mm -hmm. right into the home of the autonomic nervous system. Okay. If the person can't change their brain waves, okay. it'll never work because okay. they're in their neocortex and their thinking mind, right? Mm -hmm. So that's one thing that has to happen. The second thing that has to happen is that they have to practice both a convergent focus and a divergent focus. Now, so by the convergent, you're focusing on, let's say I'm gonna focus on this that's energy center, center right. right? And then you move your focus to another energy center. Well, first you, first you focus on that energy center, that's particle, and then you focus on the space around it, that's okay. wave. Okay. And so when you open your awareness and you're able to do that and you're in your autonomic nervous system, you can put an intention there, oh. which will create more balance in estrogen, more balance in uh, your, your sexual organs. You move to your second center, you put your attention there. That's your, where you place your attention is where you place your energy. So now you're beginning to direct energy yeah. into that center. But now you become aware of the space around it. Why? To create coherence in that little brain. Send the coherent message to the cells and tissues. Mm. Go to your third center right in the pit of your gut. Well, there's a huge celiac plexus there, a solar plexus, a lot of connections in there. So now put your that's a attention. Big one. That's a big Always one. Always getting a lot of signs there. Yeah. Here and here, yeah. heart and solar plexus. Yeah, that's a, those are big ones. And you tune in to that energy. Then you right. put your attention in your heart. It has its own individual brain. Yeah. And when you make energy here, when energy finally arrives here, guess where it goes automatically? Straight up, we've measured it. Mm. So now once you start opening hmm. your heart, you got more energy in your heart, you get more energy in your brain. Got it. And Short all, on time, just go straight to the heart. That's why we do it. That's exactly why we, that's why we open the heart. So it creates a field and it begins to drive energy mm. of the brain. So now that energy is gonna cause the person to have a different consciousness, a different thought pattern, right? Hmm. And now they're gonna be thinking possibility because in survival, the first three ones are all about survival. Yeah. yeah. It's really not a creative process of creating from mind. It's more about a more primitive, you yeah. know, um, humanistic part of us, you know, animal part of us. So then there's the thyroid plexus, the pineal gland, the pituitary gland. So we've seen when people create coherence in each one of these energy centers and they do it properly, they know how to change their brain waves. They get into the operating system. They can master convergent and divergent focus. They're no longer living just this way. They've practiced opening their awareness and focus on energy, becoming conscious of it. And as these brains become more coherent and they start producing different signals to hormones and chemicals and into different glands in the body, that's what's being upregulated to make different, different expressions. Uh, we see things like colorectal cancer change, prostatic enlargement, prostatic cancer, uh, impotence, uh, diverticulitis, uh, uterine tumors, uh, uh, acid reflux, uh, food allergies, high liver enzymes, hmm. uh, heart palpitations, arrhythmias. Pretty much anything. Yeah, well, each one that's related. A lot of Hashimoto syndrome, thyroid Got conditions. It. Oh, those are, so they're related to an energy center. Each one of these are an energy center. That's what and they, they hold the information for, let's say, diverticulitis, or they hold the energy right. for... Well, why is this? why is the cells and tissues and organs functioning out of balance? So you, you can't control that with your conscious mind. Mm. You gotta get beyond your conscious mind and stay conscious in your subconscious mind. Mm. And that's what we do when we slow our brain waves down. But we don't want just mm. any kind of brain waves. 
we want coherent right. brain waves. So then there's a coherent right. message to the cells and One tissues. of the things that I do when I meditate, which I don't do nearly enough, but I try and do as much as possible, is I, um, I breathe into each of those energy centers and just feel for resistance, yeah. feel for tension. If there is, then I breathe some more. Um, it's not probably nearly a thorough enough process, but I, I can intuitively feel where there is some resistance and then I breathe into it. Also, interestingly enough, I don't know what you know about um, crystal bowls and alchemy and sound healing and if that's something you've ever explored, but I went and did a session where I chose the bowls and I had no idea until I was done that the bowls, they have their own notes. And when I listened to the bowls to pick them, because it was like a two hour intuitive process and I would close my eyes and she would play the bowl. And I could literally tell you, I was like, whoa, my heart's like on fire. Like it, it, it related, since it is a note, musical note, mm -hmm. it related to an energy center. Mm -hmm. And they, that is exactly how it works. I'm like, wow, I can feel exactly where it's hitting. Right. It's and, and fascinating. They, and, and your awareness contributes to that because as you become aware of those energy centers, yep. what you're actually doing is you're entraining that center to a harmonic mm -hmm. of that frequency. And these are called mm -hmm. hormones for a reason oh. because you can begin to harmonize them. Hmm. And we do that, we practice. Yeah. We have, I think, eight now different uh, energy center meditations that we do. That's an evolution of the last one. And we teach people how to program them, how to create more harmony in them. Yeah. To, you know, and, and, uh, and, and we see a lot of changes in their, in their health. You know? Yeah. Um. Can you explain epigenetics? Yeah, I mean, we kind of touched on epigenetics. Yeah. Epi meaning above, the above, uh, genetics meaning gene. And so it's not the gene, it's the signal outside of the cell, right? right? So again, uh, epigenetics means that there's some environmental signal that's actually conditioning this or, or selecting and instructing different genes. So, but here's the thing. And people will say, well, um, yeah, it's the environment, but I lived in a great environment. But again, if they're living by certain emotions that right. really keep them connected to the past, the environment we're talking about is not the environment out there. Right. It's the environment around the cell. So the person's living in the same emotional state mm. or the same, let's just say toxic state because it could sure. be chemical too. If you keep living, keep exposing the cell to the same state of chemistry, mm -hmm. Uh, that cell, of course, then is going to weaken. So the emotion is that thing. So you have two factory workers working side by side in the same plant, both exposed to asbestos, a carcinogenic chemical. One gets cancer and the other doesn't. Now, why is that? <laughs> because it's the internal environment, right, around the cell mm. that's different than the other person there. Mm -hmm. mm. Um, so... Meditation is such a huge part, and obviously we've talked about that quite a few different times. Um, how frequent is that? How frequent do you need to be meditating, and how long? We're um, talking about making a difference. Yeah. How about making a difference in your life? Um, you know, there's so many variables. Um, again, um, it depends on uh, how, how sick a person is, how incoherent their brain is, mm -hmm. Uh, what type of trauma uh, that they're healing from emotionally. There's a lot of variables. Uh, uh, um, what their lifestyle is, uh, their ability to pay attention and focus, 
uh, to, to understand information, there's a lot of different variables. Mm -hmm. But let's just say that it was someone like you or me that wanted to produce some type of change in their brain and body. Uh, there's two times the door to the subconscious mind opens up. When you wake up in the morning, mm -hmm. when you go to bed at night, your mm -hmm. brain waves just fluctuate. You go from beta uh, to alpha to theta to delta when you go to sleep at night. Yep. When you wake up, you go delta, theta, alpha, beta. Yeah. So when you wake up a little early, you're kind of in low-level alpha or theta. You're between worlds. Perfect time to meditate because you have to work as hard to change your brain waves. You're already kind of there. And so if a person can actually know the formula of how to change their brain waves. Uh, you can do a very healthy, good meditation for 45 minutes to an hour. Uh, the problem with most people is they find so many instrumental benefits from doing it that they're not waking up like, oh God, I gotta meditate. Okay. They're waking up like, I can't wait to do it. Hmm. So it's instrumental for a lot of people. So most people in our community spend about, uh, um, 40 to 60 minutes uh, that do it. Some people spend a little bit longer if they're working on activating latent systems or mm -hmm. a mystical experience or whatever. But I'm not a big fan of a five minute meditation. Mm -hmm. I'm not a big fan of a 10 minute meditation unless it's just for a moment to stop and get grounded. I think you can go to deeper and deeper levels and when you start making a path, you know, carving a path yeah. down into that subconscious. Yep. The important point is like when you're going down that path and all of a sudden there you go, you make the right and you're with your ex and you go, oh. the best thing to do is back up and go down again. Mm -hmm. That's a victory. That's a victory right there. You became conscious. Then all of a sudden mm -hmm. you start thinking about what you have to do at two o'clock in the afternoon. All right, you back up, you start heading down again. That's a mm -hmm. victory. Mm -hmm. Most people don't have the patience to do that because it's tedious in the beginning. Now. Neuroplasticity. You, you keep, keep doing working that. on it. You keep doing it. You <laughs> carve that path right down the subconscious. The nerve trunk is going to get bigger. It's going to produce a bigger road because there's more traffic going on it. Now, the person's able to get there a lot faster, and they could have a great meditation in a half an hour because they know how to change their brainwaves. Right. Now, I have, I've been doing this a long time, and I have sat with myself for hours. Sometimes you just have to work really hard mm. because you got people, you got meetings, you got to travel, mm. you got contracts, you got all these things, you got family, and you, you sit down to meditate and your brain is just going to the future or the past, and oh, yeah. and you have to. It takes a while to get it centered. And if it takes it me down. an hour to get there, I, I don't care if it takes me, I will not get up. I'm wow. just not that type of person until I'm there. I just will not. And yeah. every time I go past that point where I want to stop, you know, that point where you just mm. go, I've had enough, and you just go, a little no, longer. Go a little longer. You step right into the unknown. You're really good at pushing. Th the only way to the other side is through, and there's no growth unless there's pain. I say that all the time. What discomfort? Discomfort. Yeah, because change is leaving the known, and leaving the known yeah, is the Yeah, I love that. Unknown. You talk about that yeah. so much. The discomfort. discomfort. Sit in yeah. there. You have to. You have to. And listen, you have two choices when you get into that discomfort. And I've learned this just in the last uh, uh, few months in witnessing some some really cool things we're doing right now. If you, if you move into the discomfort and you run back to the known, but you're not conscious that you're doing it, you just throw in a program, just do what you know how to do because it's uncomfortable. Yeah. Now you just return back to familiar territory. And that's a program, people do it, so they, they run some habit, they run some program. The other choice is in, that, is in that discomfort to apply the formula and apply it with your eyes open because that's where we're going. Because mm. we have students that can do it with their eyes open as well as their eyes closed. Now, what's the significance of that? No person, 
No thing, no experience in your life is going to take your joy away. You could have a thousand reasons that day to be unhappy, right. and you're going to self-regulate. Because you know how to do it with your eyes open. <laughs> exactly right, and that's where we're going. We're going there because wow. we want people to stay conscious. Wow. And that's the moment that matters the most. So now, we've done so many great studies to see um, that our community can really, really create brain and heart coherence, right? They can do it in a meditation, it's quiet, it's in the room, it's beautiful, there's music playing, there's a thousand people. Now, let's take them out in a situation, put them in a situation yeah. where now they could feel fear of some discomfort, yeah. and it's real. And it's no longer, hey, you create your reality. And that's not a, that's not a moment you want to hear. You thought you had discomfort sitting around yeah. in the room for another yeah, five, let's, eight, yeah, ten let's minutes? Let's step it up. Let's step it up. So we put them in situations now where they normally feel fear or some strong emotion that where they want to throw in a program. Like, I got to rush through this. Mm -hmm. And we say, hey, 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 why don't you apply the formula right now? So then the person has to, with their legs shaking and everything going on, they start settling their body down. They start mastering their fear. And so when they return back Wait, are they them, meditating in public? No, their eyes are open. While they're just like zoning they're, they're out. They're practicing mm -hmm. okay. brain and heart coherence with their eyes open. That's the next stage because when they return back to their life and they face off with some right. challenging situation, They'll apply what they did right. and they won't fall from grace and not throw in a program and they'll open their heart and go against thousands of years of fear that's been programmed into mm -hmm. a human being. To saving your life. To, yeah, <laughs> for that reason. And all of a sudden the person now has a new tool. Then they get back to their life and they've just done something really outstanding and they look at the challenge in their life and they see it as minimal compared to what they just did. So their perception of the way they see the world changes. Yeah. And so wow. the person then starts liberating enormous amounts of energy. You know, there goes all the fear and they have really profound moments. So, mm. so we, wanna, we wanna always press yeah. the envelope. I'm just that type of guy. Yeah. Thanks everybody for listening to the Pretty Intense podcast today. I hope you enjoyed it. And also thank you so much Trevor Hall for the awesome music. If you like what you heard today and you wanna hear more, please click on the subscribe button.